clear. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at God the Holy Spirit. And this is part six in the Holy Trinity, This Is Our God series. Just a quick note on that one. I never expected to be doing six preaches on this one. When God put this in my head, he said, preach the Holy Trinity. And I thought, yeah, one preach. Six preaches on, I'm only getting to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So John 14, verses 16 to 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So a quick recap. The Holy Trinity are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all equally God with different responsibilities and assigned a role, but their works are always intertwined. God the Father always takes the lead for the works of the Trinity. He plans, directs, and sends. And he is the Heavenly Father of Jesus and us. God the Son is Jesus Christ, the eternal, only begotten Son of God, yet became human for us. He is our Lord's Saviour for those who will receive him. And then salvation is only through Jesus Christ, whose perfect sinless sacrifice paid the ransom for our sins at the cross and redeemed us back to God. So the key question is, who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Trinity. He directed and sent from He was directed and sent from God the Father and God the Son. He is the Spirit of God. And he reveals God's truths to us and brings renewal to our lives. From the book of Genesis, we see appearances and references to the Holy Spirit. He came upon certain people, anointing them temporarily with supernatural physical, mental, and spiritual strength for specific tasks. In the New Testament, the presence and work of the Holy Spirit is revealed fully, and Jesus' promise, promises him as a gift from God. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The Holy Spirit fulfills the promise God made to pour his spirit on all flesh, prophesied by the prophets Ezekiel and Joel in the Old Testament. He was involved in Jesus' ministry while he walked the earth and is still involved till this day through us. The Holy Spirit was involved with creation, the creation of heaven and earth, the creation of all the universe. Amen. Amen. Uh, he was involved in the inspiration and illumination of scripture. He was involved in Christ's incarnation, where that was in Jesus' conception as a human. He was also involved in Christ's resurrection, and today... He is involved with the believers' regeneration and sanctification. The Holy Spirit is known by many names. Forgive me, I'm going to have to read out verses as I'm going along, but it's just for the sake of the recording. One of his names is the Spirit of the Lord, all the way in Judges 3, verse 10. The Spirit of wisdom, counsel and knowledge in Isaiah 11, verse 2. The Spirit of grace in Zechariah 12, 10 and Hebrews 10.29. The Spirit of God in Matthew 12.28. The Spirit of truth in John 16, verses 13 to 14. The Spirit of life, Romans 8.2. The Spirit of Christ, 
Romans 8.9. The spirit of adoption, Romans 8.15. And the counsellor, comforter, helper, in John 16, verse 7. There's three there because, depending on your translation, it will depict the Holy Spirit as one of those three. He's also been described as wind in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14, John 3, 8, and Acts 2, verse 2. As fire in Malachi 3, verse 1 to 3, Matthew 3, 10 to 12, and Acts 2, verse 3. As a dove, most people notably remember this one in Mark 1, 10, and John 1, 32 to 33. As living water, as we've heard already in the worship, in John 7, verses 37 to 39. As anointing oil, in Acts 10, verses 37 to 38. And 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 to 22. And then he's known as a seal, in Ephesians 1, verse 13. The following describes some truths and the works of the Holy Spirit. He will be with us forever, in John 14, verse 16. Many will not accept him. And he lives in us and with us. Seen in John 14 verse 17. He teaches and reveals God's truth to us. John 14 verses 25 to 26. And John 16 verse 13. He convicts us of our sins. John 16 verses 8 to 11. He brings glory to Jesus Christ. John 16 verse 14. He empowers us for service, Acts 1 verse 8. He indwells and renews all believers, Ephesians 3, 16 to 17, Romans 8 verses 9 to 11. He inspires prayer, worship and prophecy, Romans 8, 26 and Ephesians 6, 18. And he prepares us for eternity with God, Romans 8 verse 1 to 4 and 2 Corinthians 3 to 18. <clears throat> now I know that's been a long slog. But the point I'm trying to make is the Holy Spirit does a lot. Look at the names. Look at what we've just gone through. And that's the Holy Spirit. We take for granted sometimes the third person of the Trinity. But he's very much more applicable to you than you realise. And I hope we will explore that today. These are physical manifestations in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So notably, right at the beginning, he was seen as a mighty wind at the day of Pentecost. But if you look back at Ezekiel, he appeared as wind as well. Look back at the references that I gave you. He came as flames or tongues of fire, again, Pentecost. But he's still appearing fiery as we see him today. Speaking in different tongues, again, manifested at Pentecost. But I believe as Pentecostals, we do speak in tongues here, don't we? Amen. Prophetic words. You heard one today from Joe. That's the Holy Spirit. Healings. We've seen healings in this church. That's the Holy Spirit. Worship. We get this every Sunday. Worship. That's the Holy Spirit guiding these guys, leading you into worship. Falling down. I don't know about you, but in my early start as a Christian, I was constantly falling down. It got a bit annoying. Anyway. But the Holy Spirit was humbling me because you know I needed to be humbled to get to what I needed to do so I was you know they would have to blow me I'd be on, on the floor and then there was heaviness sometimes I'd be on the floor and I can't get back up 
Because what God's doing is dealing with me. He needs to deal with some of us as well. If he needs to push you down, let him do it. If he needs to lift that heaviness. Heaviness from God is good. Heaviness from the world, no. Then there's heat. Again, when I got saved, there was such heat going through my body. You know, I felt like I was melting. And on occasions, I've seen it as well in baptism, where someone received that Holy Spirit and you feel the heat from that person. These things are real, church. I'm not making this up. Then there's the joy. You know, we get touched by the Holy Spirit and you can't stop smiling. It's better than, you know, the best cheesecake in the world. You're just on the top of the world. It's just pure joy. Even, I have to say, even better than maybe having a child. Not that I would do it, but I'm there to receive the child. Peace. I've never known peace like God's peace. In the, in the midst of everything else, there was nothing like God's peace. And then laughter. I don't personally um, do that one, but I've seen other people where they're just laughing, laughing, because the joy of the Lord is so full in them, and it's a beautiful sight. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house when they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit gave birth to the church at Pentecost. He is active in every believer, showing us our need for salvation through Jesus and draws us to him. He is the glue that holds the body of Christ together in unity and purpose. He equips us with his gifts to strengthen the body of Christ and to help others around us to grow in faith and love in God. The Holy Spirit took the responsibility in applying the finished work of Jesus in the lives of all his people. John 14, verses 25 to 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is not a power source, a force, a thing, or an it. You can't flick him like a switch and expect him to just turn up and do what you want him to do. He is his own person with his own mind, will, and character. He cannot be tamed or controlled. He's unpredictable and incomprehensible. Although he undertakes a serving role, he is equally God in every aspect. He has emotions. He can be made upset and sad. And he directs us as he sees fit. In having the Holy Spirit, we have God living within us and with us. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' presence on earth, which never leaves us. We sang songs about that today. He ministers to both our heads and our hearts. He is our teacher in all things at all times. He reveals God's truth to us, as he is the spirit of truth. Not the truth of the world's truth, but only the truth worth knowing. He helps us discern truth from error. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's all of you guys that are 
applies to all of us. He is teaching us reproof. You know, sometimes we need a nudge. Sometimes we need a big nudge. As I said, when I first became a Christian, I was constantly, God was having to deal with me for correction. Each one of us who's a parent, we know we have to correct our child sometimes. Even though we may not want to, God still wants to and needs to correct us. And train. Training in righteousness. That's the one that we're all in. You know, we've got to be pushing up the weights, running the marathons for the glory of God. Not for your glory, but for his glory. The Holy Spirit was responsible for inspiring all scripture through the human writers. He breathed into them God's wisdom to accurately reflect who God is, what he is like, and reveal his truth to the world. He is our helper and comforter, empowering us to live for Jesus and to take us through and encourage us in good times and bad. He provides God's strength, joy, and peace to us. He is the spirit of adoption who confirms to our spirit that we are God's children. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? Again, I'm going back to Ezekiel 11, from verse 19. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. God gives us a new heart when we receive the Holy Spirit and the power and will to obey God's rules. He calls us to be his people. We cannot belong to Christ and be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. He keeps us from going astray. Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14. In him, that's Jesus, you also When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We receive the Holy Spirit by grace, through faith in Jesus. He indwells us from the moment we receive God's salvation. He becomes the seal and guarantee that we are God's now and forevermore. He is the deposit of future inheritance of eternal life for those who believe in Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit, we must come to Jesus. God is happy to provide this precious gift to those believers who ask, and he has called to him. And once we have the Holy Spirit, he will never leave us. There are two types of Holy Spirit baptism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is where we receive new life in Jesus at the moment of salvation. And then there's baptism in the Holy Spirit, where we're empowered for service to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We need to be born again of the Spirit, as Jesus instructed Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. Those two are very big subjects, so I'm not going to touch on them today, but I'm going to go into more detail in the following preach about spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gave us new life from the inside, our hearts and minds, which work outward for our words and actions. And that's what we see with the fruits of the Spirit being exhibited by us. He is responsible for our spiritual rebirth for the glory of God, transforming us into God's new creation. He reveals the work that God has done for our salvation. 
God sent the Holy Spirit to us to cleanse us through sanctification, but also for us to know better who God is through Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus through our prayers and through his word. He creates a hunger within you to know more about Jesus and God. Romans 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us to God. He empowers us to conquer our fears and sins and to be Jesus' witnesses in the world. He provides a way for us to know God's thoughts, to talk to God, and for God to talk to us. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13 to 14. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Only the Holy Spirit can bring understanding about spiritual things. He reveals its truth to believers, so no one is better to teach us the truth than God the Holy Spirit. He makes the word of God come alive to us. A quote from A.W. Tozer. The Bible is a supernatural book and can be understood only by supernatural aid. So what is our relationship with the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit establishes us as a dwelling place of God, and we become a living temple of the Holy Spirit. From Pentecost till now, he permanently indwells every true believer. Where he goes, where we go, he goes, and where he wants to go, we should follow, but we don't always. We can grieve the Holy Spirit through unforgiving or bad thoughts, actions and attitudes which are not of God, which are not of God against others, friends and foes alike. He is our spiritual and moral barometer or measure, and we must listen to him at all times, lest we go wrong or worse, go away from God. Galatians five verse seventeen to eighteen. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We can grieve and sin against the Holy Spirit, as we must remember he is God himself. We can grieve him, as we see in Ephesians 4 verse 30. Quench him, one philosopher. Thessalonians 5.19 Blaspheme him, seen in Mark 3 verse 29 Insult him, Hebrews 10 verse 29 Lie to him, Acts 5 verses 3 to 4 That's the story of Aeneas and Sapphira when the church was just really building up from the, the Jewish population and they were selling their properties to look after the poor, something we as Christians still need to do. But they sold their property, but they gave a different amount back to Peter and the, the apostles than what he, they actually sold it for. 
And Peter straight away, you know, by the Holy Spirit, it wasn't Peter, it was the Holy Spirit, rebukes them and says, you're going to die. And they drop dead. That's the harshest one I've seen in the presence of God in New Testament. So um, just be careful. Don't think all of the Old Testament's time for judgment that God brings is over because of the, you know, because of the New Testament and the blood of Christ. God's judgment, if you do something pretty bad, he will take very strict judgment on you. Resist him, as seen in Acts 7 verse 51. When we have the Holy Spirit, our sin against God grieves and causes him sorrow. I know when I cause sorrow to my wife at home, I'm in big trouble. Now, if I might upload that by 100, 100,000, 100 billion, it wouldn't compare to the sorrow I'm causing the Holy Spirit if I'm sinning against them. Because he's a precious gift, given at a great cost. So we shouldn't take him for granted. We are commanded not to grieve him. Resisting the Holy Spirit hinders his work of sanctification, which is detrimental to us. Sanctification is continuous, church. It doesn't stop once you receive salvation. It continues until we go back home to Jesus. So you want him to do the work? It's just like you, you invite someone who's doing some work at your house. You want them to do the work right, don't you? You don't want to be constantly screening them back, paying X amount of money to fix a problem they should have fixed in the first place. God's not that sort of God. He wants to make you right first time because he's going to be spending eternity with you guys. Yeah? I don't want some half-made Christians up in heaven with me. I want 100% Christians all praising God, all walking in the same direction. We've got that problem already in the fall. God's not going to make the same mistake. So if you're listening, let the Holy Spirit work in you. Again, another warning. We will answer for this when Jesus judges us at the second coming. We do have to give an account of what we were doing. Remember I said about we're a temple? The Holy Spirit dwells in us now. And I'm sure his memory isn't like ours. He doesn't forget. And we have to give an account. Sorry, church, I have to say it. Because this is truth. This is what the Bible is telling us. We have to be aware of that. The Pharisees accused Jesus' miracles of being accomplished by the power of the devil, which blasphemed the Holy Spirit who was at work. The unpardonable sin is deliberate refusal to acknowledge God's power in Christ, his deity, due to a hardened heart which refuses to ever ask for God's forgiveness. That's the only unforgivable sin, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and to blatantly say, I do not believe in Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Everything else, church, anything you may have committed, anything you may have thought you've committed, is not unpardonable. God will forgive you. If someone refuses to respond to the promptings and regeneration of the Holy Spirit, then unfortunately their fate is sealed. Just as Jesus seals you with the Holy Spirit, their unbelief seals them for their fate. Once the Holy Spirit indwells us, he battles against our sinful nature and continues to struggle until we go home to be with God. We need to choose to work with the Spirit as he gives us the power to do so. Sometimes he will lead us into trials as he did with Jesus, leading him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Whatever the Spirit leads us into, he will empower us to endure and come through.
2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The Holy Spirit causes us to be reborn by the power of God, and his indwelling power renews and prepares us for eternal life with God in his kingdom. A quote from the NIV Life Application Study Bible. We should not be concerned with how much of the Holy Spirit we have, but how much of us the Holy Spirit has. Do you get that? It's all about how much he has of us, not how much I've got of him. He's, he's happy to give me more and more. Sometimes I have to say, Holy Spirit, stop. Because I can't take no more. As I said, sometimes I'm on the floor. But if he hasn't got more of me, that's a problem. Because I'm supposed to be getting more godly, not less godly. A believer can only provide God-honoring service when they allow the Holy Spirit to lead them in all things. His greatest desire is to glorify and honor Jesus bringing glory to God the Father and God the Son, and empowering God's people to do the same. He helps us know and love God. He's empowering us to make him known to others, and by this we can glorify God. We can live a life pleasing and honouring to God if we're reliant on his presence. We need to seek and obey him every day. He ensures the gospel is boldly proclaimed and God's kingdom continues to advance. So, some key points to finish with about why we need the Holy Spirit. We need him because he cleanses us through sanctification. We need him because we need that relationship with God so that we can become more like Jesus. We need him to be Jesus' witnesses, sharing his gospel to the world. He gives us new life, reborn for God. And he imparts God's power into us to overcome our flesh and the world. He fills us with God's love and desire to love others. And he strengthens us and empowers us to share God's love to the world and draws us closer to God. Last scripture for the day. Galatians 5 verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. God's desire for us is to encounter and experience more of him. And we need to draw to Jesus by the promptings of the Holy Spirit to do this. I pray that we strive to stay in step with the Spirit to ensure this happens every day and develop a deeper relationship with God. Amen.